Good morning. Um, for those of you who missed the announcements, um, my name is Mark. I'm the pastor here at our Syracuse campus. Excited to welcome you back here today as we um, we're back in our series going through the book of Mark, which we have been going through since the start of the year. Um, but I hope you guys have really been getting a lot out of this. There's a lot going on here um, in this gospel, all the gospels really, but we're really having to take our time with this one because like I said, um, every time I've talked about this, we call this the action gospel. Mark really focuses on just cruising through and hitting all the, the action pieces of the gospel. And so we've really been taking our time going through it um, and really talking in detail uh, about everything that's been going on. So last week, we actually just barely began chapter seven. Um, and what we saw is, I'm going to just kind of recap for you if you weren't here, we saw once again the, the religious um, elites challenging Jesus. And as was so often the case during this time, the, the religious leaders, they really elevated their, their oral traditions um, and practices above what the scriptures taught, okay? Um, they believed that, that they, they really believed that righteousness came about from their ability to follow these strict rules and religious practices. And, and so they, they actually, what we read last week is they attacked Jesus and his disciples for not following this meticulous um, ritual cleansing that was taught that they do before they, before they eat. And the scribes and the Pharisees, you know, they, they just, they were so focused all the time on outward appearances and practices. Um, it was all about how well you follow every tradition and ritual. That's what mattered to them. And they're in, in their, really I think they had good intentions to start off with, but in their dedication to living holy lives, they had completely missed the point of pursuing God. Um, they missed the point so badly, in fact, that they even missed recognizing the Messiah, Jesus. They missed their Savior, and they missed out on his teachings because they were so busy trying to pick them apart and, and you know, just trying to be confrontational and oppositional. Um, so they really missed it. And Jesus, you know, last week he ended up teaching that it wasn't about what goes into a person that defiles them, but it's what comes out of a person that defiles them. That was the, that was the key teaching that, that we saw last week from him. It's this sin nature that we have inside each one of us that causes us to sin. Now, the religious elites, they just, they can't comprehend this. They can't comprehend this because either they, either they can't, they just really can't wrap their minds around it, or they don't want to. I mean, because they, you think about it, they truly were, in their minds, the elites. Uh, they saw themselves as better than everyone else because of their dedication to religious practices and, and their knowledge of the oral tradition of the Jews, they really put themselves on pedestals because of that. They held themselves in high regard. Um, they couldn't accept the fact that really they were on the same level as everyone else. They didn't want to look at it that way. They couldn't accept that. That it isn't, they couldn't accept that it isn't outward actions. Um, that they couldn't accept that, that outward actions aren't what matter the most. But it's what, it's what it's in our hearts that does. And that's what Jesus was really getting at. And today we're going to read about a couple of people who 
um, Jesus has these encounters with that you're going to see these, these people that he runs into today have a completely different mindset. Okay, these people um, who most likely, they probably felt like outsiders rather than elites. Um, I want you to notice as we, as we read these passages today, as we look at these encounters that Jesus has with these people, I really want you to notice how, how conversely different these encounters are compared to uh, the encounters that Jesus had with the scribes and the Pharisees that we see over and over again. See, while the religious elites consider themselves holier than others, the passages we read today are going to show people who, who most likely felt very far from God. Okay, and today I, I really want us to think about this question as we, read it, as we read today, as we get into these passages. I want you to ask yourself, how far away do you feel from God? Really consider that question. Really think about that. Because I'm, I'm fairly certain that everybody here probably has a pretty different answer to that question. I'm sure we all feel pretty differently in this regard. Maybe you're here today because you haven't yet put your faith in Jesus. Um, maybe you're still seeking, um, or maybe it's because you don't feel worthy of God's grace. You feel that maybe you've drifted too far away from God. Too far for his grace to reach is what you think. I can tell you right now, that's because you don't know God. Um, and you don't, know, you don't know the greatness of his love. Now some of you, maybe you even question if Jesus even wants to save you. I can, I can promise you that he does. I can promise you he does. He would not have gone through what he did if he didn't want to save you. He didn't want to rescue you. You know, there might be other people here who, who read this question and they think about this and, and maybe, maybe you've been playing the religion game your whole life. Um, going to church, serving, giving, playing the part of this dutiful Christian. Um, but secretly, God seems pretty distant to you. Um, you don't really understand why why he feels distant, distant after, after everything you're doing to play the part. You're checking all of the bright boxes off. Why isn't he blessing you? Why do you feel distant from him? Well, this is the same trap that the Pharisees fall into. And I think a lot of us struggle with this as well because it's a complete, it's a complete misunderstanding of what the point in pursuing God is. Um, God wants a deep, loving relationship with you. He doesn't want a transactional one. He doesn't want a, I give you this and you give me that. That's not the relationship he wants. He wants you to feel desire for him, not just feel duty towards him. So maybe that's the boat you're in. Um, and then maybe there are some here today who say, I feel really close to God. Um, I really feel like I have a strong, good relationship with him. But maybe you look at the people in the world around us, the people who seem really lost, maybe not just lost, but really oppositional to God, the people who, who really oppose your faith, and you look down on those people. You've forgotten, if that's the case, that we were all once enemies to God. Um, and we are really all only reconciled by the work of Jesus. Because God's heart is for everyone 
to be reconciled to him. Everybody. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9 says, For by grace you have been saved through faith. This is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. Now, wherever you feel you are today, um, the passage we're in today, I, I believe this has something for everybody. Wherever you feel like you are on that spectrum, I think everybody has something to take away from this passage today. So, um, we are in Mark chapter 7. If you want to follow along in your Bibles, we're going to be reading uh, in, starting in verse 24. So, I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to read through, read through the entire passage and then we're going to break it down and, and discuss it, okay? So, starting in verse 24, then Jesus left Galilee and went north to the region of Tyre. He didn't want anyone to know which house he was staying in, but he couldn't keep it a secret. Right away, a a woman who had heard about him came and fell at his feet. Her little girl was possessed by an evil spirit, and she begged him to cast out the demon from her daughter. Since she was a Gentile, born in Syrian Phoenicia, Jesus told her, first, I should feed the children, my own family, the Jews. It isn't right to take food from the children and throw it to the dogs. She replied, that's true, Lord, But even the dogs under the table are allowed to eat the scraps from the children's plates. Good answer, he said. Now go home, for the demon has left your daughter. And when she arrived home, she found her little girl lying quietly in bed, and the demon was gone. As we read on in verse 31, Jesus left Tyre and went up to Sidon before going back to the Sea of Galilee and the region of the Ten Towns. A deaf man with a speech impediment was brought to him And the people begged Jesus to lay his hands on the man to heal him. Jesus led him away from the crowd so they could be alone. He put his fingers into the man's ears, then spitting on his own fingers, he touched the man's tongue. Looking up to heaven, he sighed and said, Ephathah, which means be opened. Instantly the man could hear perfectly, and his tongue was freed so he could speak plainly. Jesus told the crowd not to tell anyone, But the more he told them not to, the more they spread the news. They were completely amazed and said again and again, everything he does is wonderful. He even makes the deaf to hear and gives speech to those who cannot speak. Now we've titled, the title of this message today is Gentile Territory. Okay, because the reason for that is any any respectable Jewish rabbi, um, would, would avoid Gentile lands at all costs. If you, re, if you remember, as we were reading earlier in the book of Mark, Jesus, he sends out his disciples on mission, right, uh, to the neighboring towns. And those who rejected the good news, um, who rejected Jesus, they were to be treated as Gentiles. And do you guys remember what, what they did, the this, this, this symbolic act that they did? If you remember, he told them to stomp the dust off their feet, when, they, when leaving those towns, symbolizing that they had nothing to do with them, separating themselves entirely. And, and that's, how, that's how the devout Jews of Jesus' day felt about Gentiles. Now, for those of you who don't know, if, you don't, if, if, if you're kind of new to, to the Bible, um, a Gentile is simply someone who isn't a Jew. Anybody who isn't a Jew is, is, is called a Gentile, Okay. Now, the, the Jews, they were, they were God's chosen people, and they knew it. They knew they were God's chosen people, but what they seemed to forget was 
that God promised he would bless the entire world through them. The nation of Israel was supposed to reflect the glory of God to the rest of the nations. They were supposed to be showing the rest of the world God's character. And they'd seem to, forgot, seem to have forgotten that. Um, but Jesus, he's going into territory that is totally, totally out of bounds for all other, all other Jewish teachers. Okay? Now, let's look back at those first few verses there. So he leaves Galilee, goes north to the region of Tyre. He didn't want anyone to know which house he was staying in, but he couldn't keep it a secret. So Jesus... He's, he's trying to fly under the radar here. Now, there's probably a couple of different reasons for this. We don't know for sure, but we can maybe assume that, that one is probably he's trying to seek rest for himself and his disciples. We read over and over again, if you remember, if you've been with us through, through the book of Mark, you see over and over again, Jesus is continuing to try to, to seek solitude from the crowds. And there are occasions where it says that, that he and the disciples didn't even have time to eat. So they're busy, you know, ministering to the people all the time. And, and so Jesus, he's becoming more and more notorious in Galilee and all throughout Israel. And, and so heading into Gentile territory, it probably seemed like the most probable place to go unnoticed. But his fame had already spread, even to the Gentiles. Uh, but another reason, maybe, that Jesus is trying to say hidden is that, you know, once again, he's had this clash with the Pharisees and the scribes, the, the Jewish religious leaders. He's had this confrontation. Um, as most of you know, who know the, the whole story of the gospel, you know um, that these people are the ones who are ultimately responsible for the arrest of Jesus and his eventual crucifixion. But his ministry work, it's just begun. It's not time for him to go to the cross yet. Um, so maybe Jesus is, is kind of trying to go under the radar because he's trying to, um, you know, prevent some, some premature conflict escalation that was bound to happen. That may be, you know, giving time for things to cool down. Um, but, but really think about it, how, how heated would they get if they knew that, that he... Jesus was not only traveling into Gentile lands where they weren't, they shouldn't be going, right? Any respectable Jew would not go. Um, but he's actually staying in a Gentile house. Imagine what they would think. Whichever the case, though, we see Jesus' reputation that's preceded him, even among the Gentiles. And rest, you know, any rest and solitude that, that he had been looking for was put on hold once more, as we see over and over again. Even among the Gentiles, people are aware of the miracles that, that Jesus has performed. They've heard about him. But I'm betting that's probably not what stood out to you the most in these verses as we read this. You probably noticed this. You read this and, and you see, you know, a woman comes to him. She's heard about him. She falls at his feet, Right? Her little girl was possessed by an evil spirit and she begged him to cast out the demon from her daughter. Since she was a Gentile, born in Syrian Phoenicia, Jesus told her first, I should feed the children, my own family, the Jews. 
It isn't right to take food from the children and throw it to the dogs. So how many of you read this and think that this sounds extremely offensive? Who thinks that sounds offensive? It does, doesn't it? I know I, I definitely thought that. The first time I read this, I thought that was, that was extremely offensive, and I could not believe Jesus would talk to anybody like that. So is Jesus, is Jesus saying here that he doesn't care about the Gentiles? He's calling them dogs? I mean, how could that not be offensive? Well, let's look closely at what he's saying here, okay? He says, first I should feed the children, my own family, the Jews. Okay, that's what he says. He, notice, he, notice he says, first. That's important. He isn't saying that he is not, he's not come to save the Gentiles. He's saying that his first mission is to the Jews. The Gentiles will come after. This was the plan from the beginning, to bless the entire world through the nation of Israel, as I mentioned before. Look back at Genesis 12. The Lord, he said to Abram, leave your native country, your relatives and your father's family, go to the land that I will show you. I will make you into a great nation. I will bless you and make you famous, and you will be a blessing to others. I will bless those who bless you and curse those who treat you with contempt. All the families on earth will be blessed through you. See, God told Abraham, formerly named Abram, that all the families on earth will be blessed through him and his descendants. See, he had a plan from the beginning, and there was an order, a specific order to that plan. The plan was to grow a nation that would glorify God, um, that would glorify God to the rest of the world, and, th and through that nation, the Messiah would come up and bless all of Israel and all other nations in the world as well. See, Jesus came from the, for the Jews first, but not only. Another thing to take uh, note of here um, is the word that Jesus used for dogs. Uh, the, the, the word that's used, it isn't this derogatory term that we might think. The word used actually, it means more of a, it's a household pet or a, or a puppy, rather than a dirty scavenging animal that there's another word that, that means that. The word he actually says is not that derogatory term that we, we might think it is. But even so, it's still not that flattering, is it? It's important to understand, however, that this, this woman is from a Gentile nation that is known for its disdain of Jewish people. They really disdain the Jewish people, and she's probably very aware that the disdain goes both ways. Any other Jewish leader would completely reject her. Um, and so when Jesus responds to her request the way he does, she actually seems to comprehend what he's saying. In fact, rather than interpreting his response as a rejection, she hears hope in this statement. She hears hope in that, and she hears the word first. That jumps out to her. So look at her response. She replies, that's true, Lord, but even the dogs under the table are allowed to eat the scraps from the children's plates. Good answer, he said. Now go home, for the demon has left your daughter, and when she arrived home, she found her little girl lying quietly in bed, 
and the demon was gone. Notice this woman's humility and her, her faith. Where others may have heard rejection and turned away, she humbly listens and understands what Jesus is saying. This Gentile woman has a greater understanding of her need for Jesus than almost all the other Jewish people. So many Jewish people are rejecting Jesus through his ministry. She's not. When so many people would have seen what Jesus' statement is as a rejection, she hears hope. She has humility and faith. Jesus says something difficult to hear that most of us would take offense to, and she responds with humble faith. I really want to ask you, how do you respond to offensive or difficult statements from Jesus? How do most people in our world today respond? Uh, our first core value here at Alpine Church um, is we look to God and his word in all that we do. That's a very unpopular idea in our world today. Even in many churches today that are trying to cater to society. There are plenty of, plenty of Jesus' teachings that are offensive to our world today. Um, John 14, 6, Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Think about that. Does, does, does society accept that today? Absolutely not. People of the world today are offended by that statement. The idea that Jesus is the only way to heaven, that infuriates non-believers. Most non-believers are, are blind to their sin and they consider themselves good people. They're absolutely offended by the idea that they are sinful and that they need salvation. Look at Mark, we'll, we'll read um, at some point, Mark 10, 7 through 9. Jesus says, therefore a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife the two shall become one flesh. So they are no longer two but one flesh. What therefore God has joined together, let not man separate. Let not man separate. Our world today doesn't believe this about marriage, do they? That it's a lifelong commitment, a covenant before God. Many people don't, don't really believe that. People divorce for anything and everything these days. We see it, don't we? Some because they're just bored with their spouse or they're not happy, right? Marriage isn't, God defined marriage. God, cre God created marriage. It's his design, but we think it's our design. We've taken it and, and think it's a man-made thing. Marriage is a selfish concept to most people in our world today. It's, it's about satisfying ourselves, and the minute I'm not satisfied in a marriage, I'm out. I have no commitment to it. That's, what the, that's how the world treats marriage today. But that's not what Jesus says marriage is. Uh, Matthew 6, 14 to 15. For if you forgive others their, tresp their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. Does our world today encourage forgiveness? Or does it celebrate vengeance? I believe it does. I, I think we see over and over, people are encouraged that if they're hurt by somebody, they should get back at them. 
They shouldn't forgive. They should get vengeance. And, and really, this is something we all struggle with, if we're honest. We struggle with forgiveness. We all struggle to forgive others when, when we've been hurt or offended in some way. This is a difficult teaching of Jesus, that if we don't forgive, that we won't be forgiven. So I ask you, how will you react when you come up against a difficult lesson from God? One that just grates against what you really want to hear. Will you lash out? Will you be offended? Or will you respond the way that this Gentile woman does? Recognizing that God is God and we are not. His ways are greater than ours. And this woman, her humility and desperation, it, it creates this desire to reach out to Jesus. I'm sure this woman felt completely distant from the one true God of Israel. She knew she had no place at the table. She wasn't one of the children, but merely a pet, a dog. She knew that. She, she recognized her place. But sometimes those who seem furthest from God end up demonstrating the greatest faith. Even the smallest faith can move mountains, and, and this woman knew if she could just have some of the crumbs, it would be enough. Think about it. What a lesson this must have been for the disciples, for Jesus' disciples. As we read, even they are constantly questioning and doubting Jesus. You know, numerous times they followed him. They're, they're asking him different questions and, and they, they truly have a lot of doubts. And here's this woman. She's a, a complete outsider. Not part of the chosen people of Israel. Demonstrating a greater faith than they can understand. There's a lesson for everyone here. That sometimes the people who seem furthest from God end up having the greatest faith. If you're here today and you feel far from God, I hope that you can take inspiration from this story, from this woman who really felt far from God, I'm sure. I hope you take inspiration from it. Understanding that no matter where you think you are on the spectrum, whether you feel like you're close to God or far from him, he loves you and he wants to draw you closer to him. He truly does. Now let's read on. Jesus left Tyre and went back up to Sidon before going back to the Sea of Galilee and the region of the ten towns. A deaf man with a speech impediment was brought to him and the people begged Jesus to lay his hands on the man to heal him. Jesus led him away from the crowd so they could be alone, put his fingers in the man's ears, then spitting on his own fingers, he touched the man's tongue. Looking up to heaven, he sighed and said, Ephathah, which means be opened, Instantly the man could hear perfectly and his tongue was freed so he could speak plainly. Now I just want to say we don't know for sure if this man was a Jew or a Gentile. But the Decapolis, the um, ten towns here, it's, it's Decapolis in, in other versions, um, it was largely Gentile. Um, Jesus, he's out, on, he's out on the fringe of Jewish territory once again. He Really this is kind of He's foreshadowing the idea that he would bring salvation not to the, just the Jews, but the Gentiles as well. And I really want you to notice that it's 
it's others that bring this man to Jesus. It's similar to the story we just read with the Syrophoenician woman. She's going on behalf of her daughter. And, and, and these people, on behalf of, of their friend here, they're, they're bringing this man to Jesus. And I really think as we read that, we need to think about who do we need to bring to Jesus? Who do we know in our lives that we need to be interceding for? Because these people who are outsiders recognize that they need to intercede. They need to bring people before Jesus. And we should look at that the same way. We should ask, who in our life needs Jesus? Are you, are you praying for opportunities to share Jesus with people in your life? Um, and as we read this, I really, I'm really struck by how personal Jesus gets with this man. He can't, this guy, he can't hear, he can't speak, and we see Jesus heal this man in a really unique way. It's, it's as though he's demonstrating to the man exactly what he's doing as he heals him. It's like he's speaking in a way he can understand, almost like sign language or something. You know, touching his ears, touching his tongue, showing him what I'm going to do, what I'm going to heal. He's talking to him in a way that, he, that this man can understand. And Jesus does this same thing with each one of us. He can end up, and, and he will, use anything and everything that he can to speak to us, to reveal himself to us. It's what Jesus does. Because realistically, we're all blind and deaf to the gospel um, before we know Jesus. We are all blind and deaf just like this man. Now, as I was, as I was studying this and, and, and reading this and really thinking about it, I, I started to think about before I became a believer, when I was blind and deaf to the gospel, I remember a time when I felt further from God than just about anyone. I had no knowledge of Jesus or the gospel. I, um, I, was, I was really lost and broken, and I just I felt worthless. I destroyed, I destroyed so many relationships um, through my selfish life, and especially my marriage. And I remember driving home from work one day, kind of in the midst of this whole thing, and I just, I remember feeling lost, lost, I, I had nothing, and I knew it. I knew I had nothing. <laughs> and somehow I felt this need to change the radio station. I, I just needed, I needed to do something different. I needed something different. And, um, you know, I, so I ended up, I landed on this Christian music station that I had never heard of before. I had never once in my life listened to any kind of Christian music. Um, and for some reason, I just stopped on the station and I was listening. Um, and the song came on, and I later learned is the song, it's called Broken Things by Matthew West. And as I heard these lyrics, um, God really, he just revealed his heart to me. And I want to read these lyrics to you. If grace was a kingdom, I'd stop at the gate thinking I don't deserve to pass through after all the mistakes that I've made. Oh, but I heard a whisper as heaven bent down, said, child, don't you know that the first will be last and the last get a crown? Now I'm just a beggar in the presence of a king. I wish I could bring so much more. But if it's true you use broken things, then here I am, Lord, 
I'm all yours. The pages of history, they tell me it's true, that it's never the perfect, it's always the ones with the scars that you use. It's the rebels and the prodigals, it's the humble and the weak. All the misfit heroes you chose tell me there's hope for sinners like me. And I realized that if Jesus really wanted a man like me, I needed, I needed to find out. And as I learned about Jesus and his love and, and grace, I learned the truth that there is redemption for everyone. And he can use anyone, anybody that he wants to, because that's how great our God is. That's how great Jesus is. In fact, let's finish up with these last couple verses. Jesus told the crowd not to tell anyone, but the more he told them not to, the more they spread the news. They were completely amazed and said again and again, everything he does is wonderful. He even makes the deaf to hear and gives speech to those who cannot speak. Everything he does is wonderful. Let's close with that. Let's pray. Lord, we are... We're just so grateful to read these stories of you reaching out to people who probably feel so, so lost, so far from you. They probably felt like such outsiders, unworthy. But Lord, you, you demonstrated your love for them. You showed them how deep your love really goes. When any other, any other Jewish religious leader would have had nothing to do with these people, Jesus, the Messiah, he reached out to them. He loved them. He healed them. He showed his character to them. And Lord, I can't imagine the transformation that that must have had in their lives. I imagine the people that they told as we, as we read in these last two verses, these people, they can't even keep their mouths shut about it. They're just so excited to see that Jesus is reaching out to people who would have considered themselves his enemies. And Lord, their excitement must have just been so inspirational as they shared these stories with people. And so Lord, we are just so grateful to read this. I pray that we would, that we would truly be inspired by these people, this, this woman who had such amazing faith and humility, that, Lord, we would, we would take that and, and, and let that be an example to us of areas that maybe we've been holding on to areas that we think are, are difficult, things that you say to us that we don't want to embrace. Lord, you offer us life when the enemy offers death, you offer us life to the full and you want the best for us. I pray that we would really believe that, that we would have that faith to take the hard teachings and, and, and embrace them, to really look at you as Lord and God and to recognize our place before you. Lord, I pray that anybody here who does feel far from you, who, who doesn't know you yet, I pray that they would be given a desire to know you, that they would be given this drive to pursue you. And Lord, that they would reach out for help to do that. 
that they would surround themselves with people who can reflect your love and your goodness to them. Lord, we thank you. We love you. And we pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.